Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's you, what I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. He jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with him saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm sex. rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect, just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall, see this if it sticks. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. And welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in for over 120 episodes. Still can't believe how far we've gone. And today is a very interesting episode because we are going live on Facebook Live on the Excelsior Journeys podcast Facebook page. So the word has been sent out. So anyone who is a fan of myself and Brian Morris can uh, by all means stop in say hello would love to hear from all of you in the meantime I do have to say that uh, there are certain people that you are destined to meet and for some reason you when you finally do you ask yourself why did it take so long to meet this person and that is definitely the case with brian brian is a fellow author he is also a publisher and the founder of the rising tide broadcast network which puts the spotlight on creative people can't can't understand why why we should be meeting but <laughs> sure enough we had we had actually gone to several conventions together specifically pencon and i believe archon and other definitely the uh, the st louis writers guild and but for some reason our paths did not actually collide until only a few years ago mm -hmm. and when we finally did when we started talking it was like we were already friends we already knew of each other mm -hmm. and it was just a matter of just actually approaching each other saying hello <laughs> and starting a conversation and all of a sudden it was just like okay you really do need to be a part of my life here because <laughs> there's no reason why we had to wait that long to actually connect and not only have we connected now but i am proud to say that thanks to uh, to brian's very generous offer the excelsior journeys podcast is a part of the rising tide broadcast network as part of the audio version of this for those of you who are not subscribers of rising tide please go to youtube and you will find a plethora as El Guapo would say, of all of the different uh, different kinds of shows that really focus on wonderfully creative people that really deserve this kind of spotlight. And I'm proud to say that I have the founder with me here this week. So it is my pleasure to introduce to you after quite a long time, Brian K. Morris. Brian, how are you, sir? I am well, George. How are you this morning? I am doing very well. I'm doing very well. And I see my uh, my dear friend, Bethany, already chiming in. Hello, hello. Bethany is also a previous guest on the show, and it did take quite, again, with, with Bethany and with you, Brian, it took longer than expected for it to finally happen, but it did. And so here we are, and I am very excited to have you here as well. Thank you so, very much. So so before we get going, tell us a little bit about Rising Tide. I'm sure you can definitely say it in better words than I could. Well, I don't know about that. I just mention it more often than a lot of people. Uh, Rising <laughs> Tide was something, uh, well, when I started independently publishing about yes. it, 10 years ago, exactly, Wow. to be honest, I originally was calling my company Freelance Words because I thought it sounded neat. Mm -hmm. And it was just nebulous enough that I could you know, maybe figure out what I was going to do with it, having created it. And eventually it just boiled down to publishing and writing, et cetera. But after about uh, four years, it was about 2015, this one phrase kept coming across my, my consciousness. And it was a quote from the late John F. Kennedy that a rising tide raises all ships. Mm. And the more I thought about it, as you know we're climbing up that ladder right. in our own relative journeys i was noticing that i had gotten a lot of help from a lot of people who didn't have to do it mm -hmm. and in fact a lot of them went out of their way to help me 
And I, you know, I was just absolutely nobody. They didn't have to do it, but they did. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was starting to do that with other people and starting to reap a sort of benefit from it, you know, kind of like karma or whatever you want to call it. And so I changed my operations to the Rising Tide publications originally. And then Mm -hmm. about a year-ish ago, a friend of mine, Joe Dog McKeel, who hosts one of the shows on our network, a couple of the shows on our network, actually. Really? He, yeah, he said he, he'd he like to like a, affiliate himself with me because I, you know, I had left some holes in my schedule. I was only broadcasting like about eight to 10 hours a week, which is better than the, like during the lockdown when I was on every, every bleeping day. But uh, <laughs> we can only sustain that for so long. Right. But no, and then we, ex- we expanded that and surrounding myself, not just in the broadcasting and the publishing, but just my life in general with people of like mind, like yourself, like Mm -hmm. uh, people like Amy Hill and uh, Jody McPhee and Ted Davies and uh, Mm -hmm. Carl Witzman, et cetera. You know, it's a very, very long list because I'm I'm proud to know there's a lot of people like us out there. Yeah. Uh, And, and 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 you know, we just kind of help each other, encourage each other, kick each other in the backside when we need it the most. You know, Mm -hmm. just, it's just been a, you know, we, we talk about finding our tribe, finding our network, and I have been blessed to be able to say, I have found mine, I'm glad to say. And I'm privileged that you're a part of it too. I I feel privileged just being a part of it as well, because there are so many people there that I admire, obviously yourself included. And, and of course, Amy, who is, you know, has been a, been a dear friend for a while now. Oh yeah. And it's, it's just great being, being a part of that. It's, it's very, very much like when I was, when I when I first signed my contract with Rocking Horse Publishing to to get Excelsior turned from a self published book into a small press book, mm-hmm. and people were asking me why why do I want to do that? Why do I want to give up so much and everything in order to be published? And I was just saying that there is something about people investing in you that mm-hmm. really makes a difference to me, and. Yeah when you self-publish you're on your own so much there is it's such a solitary thing a lot of people enjoy that and kudos to them for doing it and making it work i would never ever disparage anyone who goes the self-publishing route i've done it twice three times if you count the the with the new version of from parts unknown so um Available on Amazon, hashtag always promote. Available on Amazon, and (laughs) it's also going to be my latest podcast. That is uh, is coming together very soon. It's going to be a a hybrid podcast slash audiobook that uh, where I'm going to be reading two chapters per episode. So I'm really excited about that. So nice. It sounds wonderful. I love it. I'm looking at, I'm looking to set it up. So that way it'll be Monday is the Monday is the, the first episode of the week. And then Tuesday is Excelsior journeys. And then Wednesday is the other episode for that week. So people will get four chapters per week. So they're not, nice. they're not completely out of the rhythm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, that's a super idea. I've been doing something similar. I have a Patreon page and I gave myself a challenge about a year and a half ago. I, I admit I am a plotter, not a pantser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I decided to give myself the challenge of writing a first draft novel, where I uh-huh. make you know instead of just like you know we we keep talking about the as Amy calls it the word puke, you know yeah. where we're trying to just get the words down in the computer and then we'll edit it into uh, into something nice later. I decided to do as nice a first draft as I could. Oh. And I gave myself the limitations that each chapter I would plot no more than one chapter in advance nice. in my head. And I would do no less than 1,500 words, no more than 2,000 per chapter. Oh. And I'm currently serializing that on my Patreon page, <clears throat> pardon me, where people can make comments on it. Oh wow! Suggestions, and I've I've approached a couple of people about giving naming a couple of the characters in it. Nice, that's always fun. Yeah, that's and always gonna, fun. And they're going to share ownership of that character. So, should you know, and Steven Spielberg, 
call me. Okay. There you go. Ron Howard, I'm available. Um, it's, it's funny you should say that too, because when I was when I was in high school, one of the things that I would do to get my friends interested in reading what I was writing was I would write them in as like supporting characters. So yeah. they would have like one line here or two li- or like a mention, a mention yeah. on the radio or something. I took I took some of my best uh, female friends mm-hmm. and I made them like the girlfriends of my main characters. And oh. so it was fun. It was a lot of fun because, and it gave them a little extra to invest in because they wanted to see where their character was going. Yeah. And it was, oh man, that was so much fun. It was that so is. much fun. That to sounds do. great. I yeah. love that. And I, and I did a little homage to that in the first Excelsior book by, by putting the spotlight of like a one sentence long spotlight on three different students that are all just kind of huddled together in the classroom. And that's them. So it was, it was fun. It, it was it was it. a great way to to kind of give my little nod to uh, to those days. So mm-hmm. those you know those days are very very dear to me, and they've I, I owe a lot to those days. You know, having you. having done those. You know, so let's start with what I like to call the lightning bolt moment. There's always that moment you experience something or meet someone, see something hear something, read something, and it just makes you want to point in that direction and say, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of direction I want to go. And that's the kind of person I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so for you, I mean, it really starts with writing, right? Yeah, I had to, excuse me, I had to, my parents moved me around a lot when I was very, very young. I, I, it wasn't until I was like six years old and entering grade school that I lived in an area where I had regular playmates. So mm-hmm. I was... very much into entertaining myself with comic books and stuff and reading like cereal boxes, et cetera, Mm -hmm. which, you know, which is how I learned to read. Well, um, flash forward to seventh grade. And I was always making up stories with uh, like my favorite comic book characters or TV characters, whatever, uh, to just keep my mind busy. Cause my, I guess I scared my mother when I was very, very young, when she, didn't hear anything from me. And she asked me, what are you doing, Brian? And I said, nothing, mom. And she said, what are you doing it with? And I said, a hammer. So this <laughs> made her a little nervous. And so she's <laughs> like, you figure out how to entertain yourself, son. Yeah. But, uh, but flash forward to seventh grade and we had those usual post-Christmas essays. You know, what I did over my Christmas vacation, mm-hmm. I had Christmas, end of yeah. story. But I, even at that time, I was, I, I was a little more creative than a lot of my peers it Mm -hmm. seemed. And so I got to read it first. During the course of it, people were starting to laugh um, at my essay about my Christmas. Unfortunately, I didn't put any jokes in there. Mm -hmm. And and it turned out that I, due to a, knowing how important words are, I had made my, I wanted to say that my Christmas tree was all lit up. Instead, I had somehow formed the sentence to make it sound like my teetotaling parents were lit up. Oh my. (laughs) and everyone knew my parents, including my teacher, who promptly called them. Yeah. So uh, my jur- my stroll through hell was just you know just starting during that class period. And then I realized that you know words mean stuff that you can, you know, they have significance that you. I I, I really started thinking about it, you know that you can influence emotions, you can influence behavior or thought with it, and yeah. how many. Like, how many civilizations have been changed by just words? Right. You know, whether it's the Constitution, the Magna Carta, or the Diary of Anne Frank, you know, Profiles in Courage, what have you. And I realized that this is kind of where I was leading my life. And then I also figured out that somebody got paid to put the words in the comic book balloons. And I'm like, ah. that, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's my ta-da moment. And yep. from there, I started teaching myself how to write better because I, being in a very, very small school system that they, it was not really geared towards academic excellence, shall we say. Mm, um, yeah. I had a, I had an English teacher who spent 20 minutes during one class complaining that the school board was forcing him to teach Shakespeare. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and <laughs> you how know, dare they? <laughs> I know. What what is this? What has wow. this Will Shakespeare ever done that's influenced <laughs> anyone? What a hack! But but yeah, no, I, I I'm surprised I, you got the name right. It was <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
Who is this Shaka Spere? What, <laughs> yeah, what <is> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like I was I was the freak because I was always you know carrying like a notepad and a book with me all the time. So, right. um, but I learned to embrace that. So I couldn't get out of there fast enough. <laughs> you know, that, that began my that began my journey to prodom, shall we yeah. say? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. So yeah, so that's so that's great. So you were able to really kind of dive, you know, dive in there and really kind of really like you said, teach yourself how to how to properly do this. Right. Because I, you know, we're talking about the 60s and early yeah. 70s when I was in high grade school and high school. Mm -hmm. And at that time there were not the resources that we have now. Fortunately, yeah. my mother was very creative. My father, eh, not so much, but my mm -hmm. mother, before she got married, had plans to become a fashion designer. Really? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. And she grew up on comics and encouraged me to read not just mm -hmm. comics, but, you know, real books. And she was just so happy when I was reading Frankenstein by Mary Shelley in the third grade as my first grown up book, which probably explains a lot about me today. But, <laughs> but no, I, uh, you know, I, I, I bought like Writer's Digest every month. I bought The Writer every month. And I just absorbed every article I could and reread uh, what I could. Wound up, my mother also bought me uh, a, a couple of books by Dean R. Koontz. Random. Who, random, yeah. Early in his career, he had written like uh, three or four books on how to write professionally. And I just came across one of them. Actually, I should have brought it out here. But my mother, it was like writing popular fiction, I believe is the name of it. And my mother had signed it in the front, Hope This Helps. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And it's like, I, I hadn't seen that book in about 10 years. And I, you know, I got promptly verklempt. But, but no, it's, it, and I, I did have some, once I got out of high school, I had some people that encouraged me to follow um my path of writing and you know i just started writing everything i could i'd write like ad copy for businesses i worked at i worked at p our local public broadcasting station i would write scripts for like some of the pledge breaks wrote a couple mm -hmm. of commercials for them and then I, I i i count when i turned pro in 1997 mm-hmm I had a friend who was on the board of directors of Red Mask Theater in Danville, Illinois. It's a theater group where Dick Van Dyke used to work the boards. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, that, you know, talk about a heritage here. And he calls me up. He's, he's one of my best friends. And he's like, you're writing a stage play for me. And I'm like, really? Mm. You know, I'm always the last to find these things out. Well, you know, what's why? And he goes, you can write almost anything. I've seen you do it. And I'm nice. going to read some real trash some people who think they can write, I want one script I can actually read. Ah, that's and, great. Yes. That so, so, it means so much when you get something like that, just like that. It gives you like that charge. You yes. Know, that you can actually pull this off, that you know what you're doing. Yeah, and it, it turned out well, and I actually got a little award from it. I keep actually where I can see it, and I got paid off in pizza, but that's cool. It's still a, <laughs> it's still a sale. Yeah. Uh, and, but the thing was, I got the award, not so much that I wrote a great play or anything, but the director had to step in for one of the actors who vanished during the last week of rehearsal. And really? So he, yeah, and so he had to memorize like a 45-minute play in like two days and he did it but the nice. night of the thing you know i'm sitting there and i'm trying to be johnny iceberg you know i'm yeah. trying to be cool about it. i've got my hand on my wife's leg and she's wearing jeans of course i pull my hand away at the end of my my play and there's this big wet handprint on her leg that she's <laughs> reminded me about for 30 years so and i go backstage and i go up to my friend who got me into it he was one of the actors and i said yeah. dude you were great thanks for being in." he goes yeah thanks for writing that thing and i'm so sorry what happened what you go oh 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 talk to this person and the next person oh, like, no. oh. yeah and they kept saying brian we really apologize i'm like what the hell's going on and so yeah. they kept moving me around until finally i got to the director who's standing in the corner trembling because I'm about a few inches taller and I'm way heavier than he is. <laughs> and I just go over there and I go, thank you for uh, directing us. Thank you for doing this. What happened? And yeah. he, and what happened was around page 10, 
he blanked out and he skipped three pages in the script. Three pages? Holy three crap. Pages. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, wow. Or something similar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I'm like, dude, it's okay. Yeah. And he's like, what do you mean it's okay? And I said, it's only it only set up some clues to the mystery. It only had some jokes in it. You know, nothing serious. That's I said, what I was going to ask. Like, what, you know, like, what was skipped? What's the deleted scene that's going to wind up on the DVD? Like, yeah, yeah, what is it? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a significant three pages. And all, God bless the other actors who were trying to, like, go back and you know, yeah. start all over again. God bless wow. them. But the thing was, I told him, I said, dude. I'm in the audience and I wrote this thing and I didn't even notice. <laughs> like, I was so nervous. So I'm not worried about anyone else being mad at it. So I got the award for not murdering the director. Nice. But I'll take it. My gosh, it's an award. And I, there you go. And you know, I didn't get another award till this. And I shared this. We won a pulp um, fiction award for a, awesome. a thing that I was in. Pulp yeah. reality number one available from Amazon and StormgatePress.com. Hashtag always promote. Always anyway, promote. <laughs> hashtag always promote your friends too. Yes, but you know that's that's you know you talk about getting that nod from other people, and you're yeah. right, it is electric. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm mostly a self publisher. Yeah, but I do like working for other people because I learn stuff mm-hmm. that I can bring back to my own my own gig, and it is flattering when people say, "Hey, would you?" write this for us would you, you know would you right. like to come in on this and it's 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 good for the it's good for the ego and there is a way to make it pay off authors it really it really mm-hmm. does so yeah yeah it's like like i was just given an opportunity as of yesterday yeah to i'm not sure are you on clubhouse Yes, I just joined. I haven't really gotten into oh, that yet, but I know I know what it's about. It's a great resource. It really is. And I got I've been there for a year now. Thank you, Cam Robinson, for for getting me set up there. But I have nothing but good things to say about it. It's just been an amazing experience. And yes. one of the clubs that I've been really, really involved with called the 529 Club, they're uh, really heavy in voiceover. Oh, nice. and what they're doing is they're setting up radio dramas on Clubhouse. And like radio drama productions. So, you know, like they have actors, they have sound effects. They got a music, they're going to have a music score attached to it. And they have invited, Mm -hmm. we're going to see how this goes. Yeah. But, you know, like as of right now, Excelsior is going to be one of those radio dramas. Oh, nice. I'm writing that down because this sounds so cool. I I worked for a while for an, an outfit out of Hollywood that was doing audio dramas and i grew up loving old-time radio I'm yeah still a fan of that i'm gonna i'm gonna need to use you as a resource then for when i'm uh for when i'm putting the when i'm doing the adaptation because uh-huh. when i saw this when i saw this opportunity and i really just felt myself just kind of leaping at it yeah you know it it just felt like it was just like yes you know that's what i need to do and i felt like it was gonna be a it was really a godsend because mm-hmm. I have been just kind of stuck through this muck of getting through part three of this trilogy. Mm -hmm. And it's just been so much more of a slog than the other two. And because there's so much writing on it. Like I literally have like the baggage of parts one and two on my back, making Mm -hmm. my way through all of this. Oh, I understand. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm in the process of this year. I'm going to write a sequel to one of my novels and it's scaring me poopless. So yeah, yeah, I understand. So, yeah, so I am dealing with all of that while, you know, like not really getting any sort of real momentum with that third book. So Mm -hmm. getting a chance to immerse myself in that world again by doing something like this, it feels like that is what I should be doing because Mm -hmm. I get to do both at once because I already know what I plan on doing regarding the changes that I'm making to the first book for the for the audio drama. There are certain things that I know that I'm going to be pulling back on in terms of the epic scale. Right. So that way it makes it much more palatable right. for the for the audio. And uh, but at the same time, a lot of it is is going to be re, is going to be rehashing like verbatim. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a mat, it's going to be a good uh, mix of both of those. And at the same time, like it's reminding me of those elements that made that first book. So dear to my heart so yeah. i get to kind of tap into that mm-hmm. while going forward with getting that third book done so it's a real it's a real blessing 
to to experience something like that. So I'm excited. I'm really you excited should be. It. That's fantastic. Yeah. Keep me in the loop about this. We'll we'll get this promoted for you because uh, hashtag always promote your friends. There you um, go. But there yeah, you go. no, I you know, and the thing is, people forget how much power audio has. Yeah. Because they're so used to movies. I mean, when I grew up, we, I was a television kid. I'm mm-hmm. I'm back from the days when not everyone had a TV set. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of really special that we had one when I was very young. And I was, my mom was talking about, you know, sitting around and listening to the radio with her family. And I'm, you know, to me, it's like, well, were you working on like your stone knives in the same time and, the, you know, <laughs> and painting on the walls and stuff? And yeah. she bought me, and I still own it. It's the five, it was the five record set hosted by Jack Benny from the Longines Symphonette, and it had little snippets of old radio shows like The Shadow, oh, Fibber, McGee, oh, and Molly, nice. uh, things like The Hindenburg Accident, a, a truncated version of one of my favorite audios ever, the 1938 Mercury Theater War of, War the, of the Worlds. Worlds. Yes. It, yes. yes. That's oh, great. Oh, my God. And just that one, I still remember feeling my heart literally stop that thing about you know that when the martians expose themselves and they got the heat beam you know going yeah. through the reporters and going, it's 20 feet away and, and i'm like and it just <laughs> yeah and it's the longest silence ever yes! it is genius it was absolute it genius what orson did i i absolutely love that and that's yeah that that shows like the real power of of audio and i'm so glad that these sort of things are making their way back in yes you know like i love i love that you know that podcasts are doing what they're doing i love that audiobooks are doing what they're doing yeah and maybe i'm biased on both because i i'm (laughs) steeped in both but at the same time it's 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 an amazing feeling like knowing that that is really where the future is going. The future is going to the past. You know, yeah. Peter Allen famously said, everything old is new again, you know? Exactly, so. exactly, yeah. And the thing is about the 1938 uh, pot broadcast is that other stations have tried to replicate it. Yeah. And they've and gotten failed. the same results. Um, really? I, yeah, seriously. Uh, my, my wife, Cookie, is from Buffalo, New York, and there was a station that was doing a... 30-year tribute. This is back in 1968. And they redid the War of the Worlds. Well, they couldn't get the original script, so they made up their own based on elements of that script. And they sent out word to everybody. You know, this is a drama. This is a radio show. And they even had commercials, and they had breaks where they was like, this is not happening. During the course of the next hour or so, the Buffalo being as far north as it is, the Everyone, a lot of people forgot. The mm-hmm. local police wound up going out to the site where the Martians allegedly landed. The mm-hmm. Canadian Air Force was put on standby. <laughs> wow. And then they did it again five years later with many of the same people. And something similar happened again. And there are a lot of stories, some of which may be apocryphal. Yeah. But there is just something about that broadcast and the very... And, and TV has had some different, similar situations with some broadcasts they've done where yeah. people just get so into it that they forget that this is a drama and oh, that it's man. not news. And it's, you know, it just shows, again, the power of the written word and yeah. what it can do. So. Mm-hmm. And it's like nothing, nothing is more crystal clear than the theater of the mind. Exactly, exactly. And and that's that's why one of my, I think one of the most horrific scenes in any film I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and my mother took me to see it when I was six, but she told me, you can't not watch the shower scene. So I was like, yes, mom, oh, whatever nice. you say, you know, yep. with my hands laced over my eyes. That scene is one of the scariest with Janet Lee in the showers, one of the mm-hmm. scariest moments, because my mind is filling in all the blanks. Yeah. And it's going places no man was ever meant to go. And that's, that's the power of, you know, the radio. That's why so many... You know, and, and the thing is, we're drawing upon almost limitless store of knowledge in the, the person absorbing the yeah. drama with a special effects budget that Hollywood can never afford. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, you know, like, and then even though this part of it doesn't really play to the audio, there is that wonderful visual of 
Marion in the sh- in the shower, yeah. and then in the background you see the door opening and someone walking in. Yes, and that it in itself is amazing. I, it, Hitchcock said that you know, like if there is if there is a bomb under your seat, it's never scary unless everyone but you knows it. Exactly knows about it. So exactly, yeah. That oh, you know, like it was it was just. That's that's just amazing. And, you know, more people really need to, you know, look back at that, not to do it frame by frame. God knows. But sad to say it's already happened. But <laughs> but to just to go back there and remember, you know, what can be done with so little. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And as novelists, you know, or short story writers, you know, we have the same the same thing to draw upon, you know, yeah. to pull the reader in and make mm-hmm. them do the heavy lifting. Basically, right. if we do our jobs right. So. Right now, speaking of now, speaking of which, you know, so you you taught yourself how to write. You got into you know, you did the the playwriting, which was fabulous, mm-hmm. and then you and then when did you start publishing your own work? This started actually, like I said, about ten years ago. I was working for our local water utility as one of the drones there. Mm-hmm. And the district manager walks into my office one day and says, uh, hey, Brian, um, would you come with me? Well, I've been in high school. I know that tone. I'm going to the yeah. principal's office. And I'm like, what I do? And it turned out that this was after a stint where my super direct supervisor had been absent for four months due to br- surgery. Oh, and so I was, in fact, the, the head of the department and, mm-hmm. you know, no smoke, no flame, no problem. You know, everything yeah. went fine. So I get called and the other guy, there's a guy waiting for me who's the head of HR for half of the country wow. for the company that owns us. And they get uh, to talk. And I'd already made a promise to myself, the first New Year's resolution I'd made in decades that mm-hmm. I was going to, inc- I'd already been selling some things like plays and articles, you know, short, short pieces and all. And I thought, well, I'll just increase my writing and mm-hmm. get more stuff. And maybe one day I'll get to be a full-time writer. Well, I sat down and they're telling me, Brian, you've done a great job here these last you know, 11 years and about a year and a half before his attempt. And you've really taken command here and you've made life so much easier for people. And you've picked up the slack in so many places. Sorry, we're going to have to let you go. And oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and, you know, you know doesn't, that, all... doesn't that kind of talk usually come with, and we'd like to give you this much, this much. Yeah. Extra. Yeah. Well, I, was, I was getting ready fitted for my gold watch and everything, my right. Rolex, but, but it turned out that the, the water company based a lot of large projects based on their, whatever money came in, which included the stock. Mm-hmm. We were publicly traded and this guy out East at our corporate headquarters had made a like a fraction of an, a percentage error. Yeah. And even then, that's millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So they made me, they comforted me by telling me it wasn't just me. There were 25 other people in the state of Illinois that were getting laid off to for that reason oh, to cover that so the stockholders wouldn't freak. Yeah. And I remember looking at the clock and I've seen the sweep hand. And I'm, I start worrying, you know, you start thinking, okay, how am I going to keep up on my bills? How am I going to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, maintain my lifestyle? How am I going to buy all my comic books? And right. the minute it hit the top of the hour, it struck me. I've got my plan B. I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. I will do this until it either becomes a permanent plan A or I find another plan A. Well, it turned yeah. out that this, this wound up being plan A. And it was funny because part of my severance package involved a re-employment agency where they teach you how to interview, how to dress, oh, how nice. to write resumes. Yeah. So I, I yeah. write killer resumes now. The only person it hasn't worked for is me, unfortunately, oh, but, right. but there are people who gain a lot of benefit from it. But uh, the thing was, see, now here's the thing. I learned this from Dungeons and Dragons. The guy who knows the rules the best is the one who's most likely to beat the GM, right? Yeah. So, I got in good with my contact at the reemployment agency. So the, the paid six months wound up going for six years. So, wow. But during the course of that, I had taken a test, you know, to see where my talents should lie. Mm-hmm. 97% writer. So, and she saw that and she goes, there is a webinar coming up on the electronic publishing. Can I sign you up for that? And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, my wife had a Kindle. So I was 
sort of aware that these these ebooks existed yeah. but i was still in the mode of you have to find an agent you have to you know apply to one of the new york publishing houses you have to you know this whole progression of that takes a lot of time and effort and money to get yeah. there and i by the end of this webinar all i saw was opportunity all i nice. saw was the freedom to have work that is more purely me mm -hmm. get out to the general public and to see where I could take these opportunities that I was getting as a writer and maybe eventually, you know, work for other people. And that's, that's where it all started. As far as uh, self-publishing, I released my first book in late 2012 mm -hmm. through a program that Amazon had at the time called Kindle worlds. Oh yeah. I remember Kindle worlds. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah. I was. I, I think it's a, it was such a great opportunity, and I wish they still had that. But mm -hmm. we got to write in using various established IPs, and I used mm -hmm. a comic book character called Bloodshot. It was a Vin Diesel movie from about two years ago. Oh, nice! It was a good movie too. Darn it! Mm -hmm. But it, started, it was released the week of the lockdown, so anyway, it tanked. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but I released it, and just that act alone taught me a lot about how to put a book together. Nice. And all the little steps that I needed to do as my own publisher now. Mm -hmm. And then about six months after that, I released my set, my first real paperback, Santa Stein, the post-holiday Prometheus, which has gone on to is a parody of Mary Shelley's book. Of course, yeah. it comes back to Frankenstein. <laughs> Everything is Frankenstein. But I, I've wound up, not that I'm bragging, hashtag yes, I am. I've sold that book in eight different countries, three different continents, and it's and it continues to sell to this day. I'm grateful to say, and I'm very, I'm still very proud of it. Yeah. Uh, but, but that got me on the road. So that's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. So, so you, so this is all happening. Like you're, you're feeling your own momentum really kind of building. What was it about that that made you say, I want to reach back and help other people? Again, it was that as I was going out and, you know, setting up on a table with my one lonely little book yeah. <laughs> and getting some attention and working on other stuff. And I would get some attention from people and they would say, you know, we strike up the usual conversations and mostly people that were more established in their writing field than I was. And they would say, well, you ought to try this and this and this. Oh, okay, thank you. And I'm taking the notes. And mostly it's like, I should have known that. I should have known that. But, mm -hmm. but a lot of people like, you know, were helpful to me that didn't yeah. have to be, that would gain nothing from my success or failure. Mm -hmm. And as I went, you know, I, I, I saw other people that were in the same place I was once upon a time, because there is, there are levels in yeah. everything we do. And I just started helping as many people as I could because uh, success is no fun if you have to do it by yourself. You know, you, you, you need you need some traveling companions and uh, some I, sounding I, boards. By the way, I love that phrase. I love that phrase. Success is what? What is? It, would you just say success is never fun if you have to do it by yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. that and, that is fabulous. I hope that I hope that everyone who listens takes that to heart, you know, because that is, that's, that's what this is all about right here. You know, that's what, that's what this show is all about. That's what rising tide is all about. You know, it's mm -hmm. all about, you know, just, I mean, that, that's such a, that's such a great mission statement. You know it, I mean? it is. And it is also good to look outside of yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, and I've also read other authors who have said, you know, that as, you know, like Stephen King, J. Michael Straczynski, who say, as you're reaching up, you should always be reaching down mm -hmm. and helping pull people with you. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. In the last 10 years, I have met some of the most amazing people like yourself, Amy Hale, oh, Kathy yep. Jackson, Lacey Lemke. You know, I could just go mm -hmm. miles and miles and miles of people that, you know, I think the world of now. Yeah. And we're all on the same Lacey, trip. Lacey, God bless her. That, that, that woman is just you know, like overflowing with ideas. Like I she know. is, she has like, she has multiple plans on how to take on the world. Like that's. I'm that, so proud of her. Me too. Me too. I really I'm, am. I'm, blown, 
I'm blown away by everything she does. The you know, just yeah. And the thing is, for anyone who's not seen her, she looks so angelic. She looks like this, you know, almost childlike woman. Mm-hmm. And then she reads stuff out of Nightmare Oasis that turns your bowels to water. <laughs> uh, but I was at a show one time where she read this thing, um, and it was it was, it was only like a half page short fiction, flash fiction mm-hmm. thing. And I remember everybody like, uh huh, uh huh, oh. <laughs> and I'm like across the room going, what is wrong with them? And then I go, okay, page the. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm simultaneously horrified at her thought processes because they're too close to my own. And right. secondly, it's like you go, girl. You right. go. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. She does, she girl, a woman does not hold back. You know that. No, she, she doesn't. Yeah. And no, you know, kudos to her for, for doing it. So yeah, well, seriously. I'm, yeah, I, I I just love seeing like where everyone is going. I love you know I love seeing you know like where Amy Hale is going. Just like yeah. her story is, like there's a reason why I made sure to interview her back in 2019. You know, yeah. for over at uh, over at uh, PenCon, like there was there was a handful of people that I was able to you know get some time alone with, uh-huh. and that wound up being some really fun episodes during season one of this whole show. I got yeah. Amy, I got Eric Asher. Yes, I got, I got Jen. I got Jen Stolzer and Jessica mm-hmm. Matthews. I got, I got Mark. I got Mark Coker, you know, yeah. from, from smash words. Like well, he's fantastic. And we, we chatted for like over an hour and a half. Like it was mm-hmm. great. It was oh, yeah. great. I love, you know, like hearing all these different stories from all these different people. I I'm just flattered by the fact that they want to tell those stories on my show. Oh you know, yeah. So that to me just means that means the world. That means oh, the world to me. I hear you. And I will say, you know, that you know, Amy and I have had many adventures over the few years that we've known each other, including a waffle house that will probably never have us back. Okay, yeah, I'll tell a story on you. Oh no, okay. No, 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 <laughs> it, was excited. Excited. <laughs> it was it was Amy and John, yeah. Mr. Amy Hale, and uh, Kathy and Matthew Jackson. Kathy is a, a an inspirational romance author yeah. she's the first romance book i ever read that i liked nice it was really she's a really terrific author and kenny sills who wrote a book called tattoo a beautiful sin that if anyone's eating breakfast i will not tell you what that book's about it's <laughs> it's genuinely scary and he's a great guy and a couple other people were tagging along with us and we were at this uh huddle house in uh, southern illinois and being as you know the type of people we are, we like go to restaurants and we start laughing, telling jokes. And I look back and I notice that we had people like right next to us when we started. Yeah. And we're getting louder. We're getting we're laughing a lot more. I noticed that now there's like several tables between us and the people. And <laughs> after about 20 minutes, I look back and everybody's like pressed against the wall like it's a hostage <laughs> situation. <laughs> it's like, who are these insane people at the other end of the building? You Just know? writers. Just writers. <laughs> Writers, you know, we're, and we're just casually talking about murder and things like that, you know, just the life of little subjects, you know, how to eviscerate people safely, that sort of thing. And, you know, I, we, we have this running joke that we're going to go into a huddle house and our pictures will be like over the cash register. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't let these people in. They're loud. They're obnoxious. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> And this is the sort of journeys, you know, that you you meet these wonderful people. And, yeah. you know, and I tell people constantly that one of the things that keeps me going in this is that I always want to earn my place at the table. Yeah. I don't want to rest on any sort of laurels such as they may be. Right. And I want to keep creating and keep doing stuff and keep learning that I hope I've helped Amy as much as she has helped me, at least as much as she's helped me. Same yeah. with Kathy and all my peers that, you know, if I learn something, then y'all get to know it. Because mm-hmm. I'm not real shy about you know, keeping secrets about the businesses that we're in. So. Right. And uh, yeah, I just, I just remember seeing when, when, Amy was telling me all about like the different things that she's doing. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's her own show, Creative as Hail. Yeah. It's one of the best titles I've ever heard in my life. And then she topped it by telling me the, the name of her community, Hail's Angels. Yes. I was like, you are brilliant. You are just, you are yeah. a brilliant person. Yeah. And I'm so glad to know you. So, yeah, so like, seriously. Yeah. It's like this kind of community, this community, I had no idea when I moved here in 2011, just how much of a welcoming and loving and nurturing community this mm-hmm. is. And 
I this is that's a main reason why I wanted to start the show in the first place because I wanted to put the spotlight on that because we you know like I the majority of my guests here are authors so and I just I love the fact that I that there are so many of them that not only you know like they not not only have already come on my show mm-hmm. but also want to come on my show and are asking for you know, to time to be scheduled and everything like it's it blows my mind you know seeing that and i i don't see that ever i you know like i love new york it'll always be a part of me and i'm proud to have spent 17 years in that area but at the same time when you're in new york and you're not you're not in a in a, you're not in a starting off point there's really nowhere for you to go like it, it's everyone is there at the bottom mm-hmm. and everyone is waiting for that big leap, that high jump right. from Kirby, you know, just like mm-hmm. uh, that's the only way that you can really go up. You can't really work yourself up in, in, yeah. you know, like as much you can, like in some ways, you know, but at the same time, it's just like when you are able to like make a name for yourself in, in one area and then another area and then another area, then all of a sudden, you know, like New York is going to start looking at you. Exactly. And, you know, that that to me is is something it's going to be something big that to me is like a real end game right there yeah. oh i hear you and what we do is very much like that you know that we get successes you know like in both our cases you know we're both yeah. writers that we're getting opportunities from other publishing houses as a mm-hmm. result and we're also broadcasters and i'm in you know yep. i'm in the same situation my 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 interview show clever title pending mm-hmm. uh is on hiatus right now because i've got so much work i'm involved with that isn't clearing up anytime soon thank you mm-hmm. but you know i was at first i was like well, who do I ask? And of course, I was asking my friends to come on mm-hmm. board. Then all of a sudden, it's like I've got people saying, "Well, I've got this Kickstarter coming up. Can I pop into your show and uh, promote? Can I, you know, you know, I, I have total strangers. You know, you know, can I be on your show?" And I, and my first thought for a while was, "What's wrong with you?" You know, why do you want to be on my show for the love of God? You know, I was like, you know, is there some sort of mental, is there an official name for this mental disorder that you want to be on my show and spend time with me? You know, right. you know talk about imposter syndrome, man. I'm mm-hmm. the poster child for it. But, yep. uh, but it's one of those things where uh, uh, it's very flattering. And I do want to bring the show back. I do miss it. And occasionally I do have a guest on in the board. My morning show, never mind the furthermore, Monday, Wednesday, yeah. Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on the Rising Tide Broadcast Network. Thank you very much. But, uh, you know, I, I occasionally have a guest on there just simply, you know, to, you know, I, I have no other way to talk to them, basically. Right. So it's mostly my friends that, you know, hey, Brian, I've got a Kickstarter. It's like, I've got one like Kara Nicole. She's a model. She's mm-hmm. a uh, singer. She is uh, an artist. She's a writer. She does just everything incredibly well. Yeah. And she's salty as hell. She is mm-hmm. great. She, you know, it's like that's when we have to get like the you know the f bomb warning out right. now and then. But she's very <laughs> passionate about what she does, and yeah. it's great to talk to her. She's a cosplayer. I mean, she does everything well, and I love talking to her. But she is busy, and so am I. So the only way we can ever have any time to really have a conversation is I'll invite her show. on the show. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of like come see me at work, sort of thing. Yeah. So, so speaking of the show, speaking yeah. of the show, so you have the Rising Tide publishing house and then you have you know which which not only does books but also does comics yes we we write a lot of comics we we have produced our own comics but this is another case where i get asked by other people so much that i don't have time to do my own plus you know most of my artists they work with me and then people notice them and then they get hired away and i can't get any time with them anymore so, you know, I, I tell Eric Hawkins, uh, who has created his, we worked together on a couple of projects and then he started, it inspired him to do his own called the Zombieful World of Oz. It's, Interesting. It's a great book. I'm so proud wow. of him. I'm the editor on it. But the, the idea is that Dorothy Gale has been cured of her delusions about Emerald Cities. And, and so it's kind of like it's like a like return to Oz almost. Only almost. Like she's not going through the treatment. She's already gone through it. She's right? gone through it. And then the zombies start appearing. 
Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> oh, it it is. It is a wow. super, super book. If anyone wants to read it, it is available on comicsology.com or oh, you can go it. to Stone Door Studios. But yeah, it's a wonderful comic. He is an incredible storyteller and yeah. his artwork just in the, I think we've been, I mean, we've known each other for about six or seven years, but his mm-hmm. artwork has taken just such a quantum leap. Oh, that's in, awesome. uh, I love it. And he got, and he actually let me write a short story about Dorothy Gale in the sanitarium. No way. Yeah, way. It is. It is dark. Nice. So it was just such a joy to write, and it was just one of those things where you know you see teams in comic books. You know, usually you have very very few people who do everything. Yeah. So you have one person who writes, and maybe another person who draws, and sometimes. If the thing, if the collaboration works right, it is greater than the sum of your parts. And Eric and I seem to have one of those kind of relationships where I know what he can draw and how mm-hmm. he can draw. So I gear my writing towards that. And then he, you know, thank goodness, gets some sort of boost from my what I'm writing. And just there's just something we both look at and we know that individually we could not have come up with it. That's so great. It's so, a great collaboration. He's a ter- terrific friend too. So. Oh, that's that's so cool. So cool. So 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 you have that. You have you know the you have the product that that's out there. You have the you know the content and everything. Yes. But then there's the broadcast network. Right now, what was it that spawned that? And I first of all, never mind the furthermore is one of the best titles I've seen for a show. I think Thank that's you. that's fabulous. It, and it's so wonderfully geeky yeah. that just fits so well with with the vibe of that show yeah so you know so and like you said it's like a, a great morning show like a great way to really just kind of kick off your day stopping in and having some coffee with your friends yeah and yeah. just chatting about you know random you know geek related stuff mm-hmm. and then it's just like all right let's go to work and then everyone yeah. leaves. It's like the end of the the first part of Reservoir Dogs. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. We are responsible for quite a bit of uh, non-productivity in the American workplace. <laughs> uh, and we own it. We totally own it. And the nice thing is when people realize where I got that name from, yeah, they feel extra geeky. Nice. Because originally it is from the, the musical Oklahoma. Oh, okay. The trial scene with Curly, and they're all trying to make the motions and everything. And the judge mm-hmm. finally, you know, one person says, and furthermore, and furthermore, and the judge says, never mind the furthermore, the plea is self defense, you know? Nice. And that was a line used by two songs by the Monkees. Really? Both by Mickey Dolan's. One is Zilch, and No Time is the other. And oh, they use so that like line the, in there. So this is like I one just of the later it. albums, right? Uh, yeah, I, the more experimental kind of the middle of them. I think about the. I think that they're both after headquarters when they started playing their own music. Yeah, I'm a monkeys fan. So, but yeah, I, that's where I took it from. And then my interview show, clever title pending, was mm-hmm. I wrote. I was planning this interview show originally. It was like a going to be a nighttime version of Nevermind the Furthermore. Until I, mm-hmm. you know, then I got the idea to do interviews. But I wrote clever title pending on a notepad. <laughs> And I'm sitting there going, you know, that's not a half bad title. <laughs> so I went with it. And, you know, and then my Thursday comic book show with Eric Hawkins and Brian Rodman and Clyde Hall and Joe DeMuffy is the comic book spectrum. It's as close to a real decent name that I've come up with. Everything else is just kind of like my first thought. And that's what I go with. So due to a right. limited attention span. It's so funny that you should say like uh, how that just kind of came just very naturally just by writing that down because when I was when I was living in New York, my friends and I had always set about doing like our own, you know, like sketch comedy show or like a movie or something like that, similar to the Kentucky Fried movie, how it's just yeah. like a bunch of different sketches and everything. Yeah. And we Love had this we had this thing going where we were going to where, you know, like the whole opening was, you know, like we wanted to get like, you know, all of the top like rom com stars for like this whole scene where you know, like where everyone's getting ready for the the daughter's wedding and everything, looking through pictures and you know going through photo albums and everything while reflecting on things and it's all like really nice and you know not a, not a not a gag in the whole thing like it all plays like very straight and then they all get in get in the limousine and they all drive off and then the camera just shifts away from them and goes on to someone else completely. We never see them again. It's just like, <laughs> 
And so I love that. And so what I had in mind was like just trying to think of like what we were going to call this whole thing, and then I just put in as as just like a gag title. I just put untitled, and then in parentheses, got working title. And yeah, yeah. So, that was that was kind of like the same thing, like clever title pending. So um, <laughs> now now that I now that I got to speak that whole sketch out out uh-huh. loud for the first time in years, now I'm thinking like I really should revisit that because it does have it it does it might have legs. <laughs> so oh, um, it's definitely, especially with what yeah. you're going into now. I think it yeah. would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So the um, so so with the so with the broadcast network, it seemed sounded like there are other people that really wanted to be a part of that as well. Right. Yes. It originally started out with uh, me doing my number of shows right. and then Joe dog McKeel of mm-hmm. our show, stupid o'clock, which is a wonderful, wonderful show on Thursdays and Saturday nights. And it's geeky and it's science. You know, it's like, and one of the other shows they bring is a, a show called armchair rocket science. Nice. Where they watch like like the SpaceX launches and make commentary oh, cool. and fill in the gaps in your knowledge. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. But anyway, he I was broadcasting at the time Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with never mind the furthermore. And he said, You mm-hmm. need a Tuesday morning show. Can I have Tuesday and Thursday? And he goes, Can I be part of your network? And I'm like, you know, I put a lot of thought into it. I'm like, Yeah, sure. So <laughs> it's kind of like when I went to college, you know, my, yeah. my counselor said, well, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a writer. And he said, and she said, well, you have a choice between liberal arts and journalism. I said, what's the difference? And she goes, well, there's no math requirement with journalism. She didn't say another word. I said, fine, I'm a journalist. You know, so um, <laughs> I'm not real strong on planning. Let's put it that way. My whole life is improv. But no, I, we started with that. And then we started getting up wanting to do shows under our umbrella, like yeah. Ted Davies, who does a show on um, his creativity, his artwork, and he morphed it into two other shows. One is a what he does with Carl Wissman. It's a monthly show where he talks about cigar appreciation. And even, even if you're not a smoker, I'm not a smoker, yeah. but he makes it sound good. And he tells mm-hmm. you what he experiences as a reflective kind of cigar smoker he makes it into yeah. a pleasurable experience and it's really really intriguing and then he has one that he does with his wife christine called drinking with the davies where mm-hmm. he teaches they teach you how to mix adult drinks adult, adult beverages often with natural ingredients really yeah and nice. that's a, yeah that's a fascinating show and then we also have like a Nicholas Anthony Tockert, who is a game designer mm-hmm. and also does combat, you know, like the foam weapons and everything. And he's written mm-hmm. a couple of books on, on Amazon, the Historical Fencing Guild. Then we also, let's see who else. Then we got Amy Hale on with Creative as Hale. Then Ted came on with Glenn B. Fleming, who is a an illustrator and travel writer. And they did a show called The Truthmongers, where we talked about conspiracy theories. And let's see, who am nice. I leaving out? Keisha Acuff does an audio thing. You came aboard thank you and uh, then we have an, a sequel to stupid o'clock called last man standing that runs at oh dark hundred following stupid o'clock then comics chaos and sass with heather ellen and jody mcphee who is an illustrator and writer of com his own line of comics he does a thing on saturday night from the desk of the small press publisher mm-hmm. and let's see am i probably oh, and, uh, leaving and, someone else oh we were also getting a show on gaming too. And Ted and Ted does uh, Ted talks. Correct? Ted talks, yes, where he does Which, interviews and uh, does I'm illustrations. Fa- yeah, I'm fascinated that he still hasn't gotten kicked off yet with that name. Like as we're waiting for the cease and desist letter <laughs> any minute now. In case I deny ever having known him, and he, I cut him off, and he's on his own. You know, yeah. that's all he's doing. I'm not taking the heat for it. So he could but, change it to just Ted speaks. You know, just something like a play on that. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're hoping we just keep flying under the radar. We we you know you, you do see that TED talks are capital T, capital E, capital D, and it is fortunate that his real name is TED. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, we're we're backing on that. Our legal team, which doesn't exist, is really hoping that uh, we don't get that letter from the real people. So, but so far, so good. So, so, so say someone wants to 
be a part of this. They listen to they listen to the, to the shows or they watch them on on YouTube. They're thinking like, wow, that's that sounds like fun. That looks like you know everyone is having a blast. And I love the fact that it's not like fully geek related. That it's oh, no. that there that there is so this so much variation, mm-hmm. which you know which made me feel confident in reaching out to 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 reaching to reaching out to maybe be a part of this. I'm glad and. And the fact that you, you know, like just made such a, a quick decision that, you know, that it's very much appreciated because, you know, like, and, and I feel like with, you know, 2022 now, I feel like I can really, you know, devote a lot more of my time to end the show and everything to really kind of letting people know, hey, this is part of the Rising Tide Broadcast Network. Go ahead and, and find out the rest of our shows, which right. is, you know, pretty amazing. So I'm looking forward to doing that. So say someone wants to join the fun. In whatever way, whether it's, you know, like in writing, whether it's in, in comics, whether it's on the show and everything, what's the first step that you think that they should take in order to in order to, to get themselves noticed in the right way? Well, first of all, I would say, and we do get people that want to be a part of the network. We vet people and mm-hmm. we turn more people away than we bring in because such as it is with some of our shows, we want like a certain level of quality in the broadcast itself. We also are not really adult oriented so that, you know, the only F-bomb you're likely to encounter on any of our shows is the one that was made for me. Right. So anyway, and the only F-bomb that is, you know, for months is, you know, my darling wife in the next room. But anyway, who didn't know she didn't know this microphone is as sensitive as it is. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's what I said. Anyway, but no, first of all, it's like in publishing. It's not a matter of here's what I have. Now you figure out what to do with it. It's like, do you fit in? Yeah. You know, because there are some people out there that they think that part of what they want to do is be edgy and swear a lot. We're not into that. Mm-hmm. We're more for ideas. Yeah. And I, you know, constantly say that I don't care what you have to sell. I care what you have to say. Yeah. And does your show have a message? And, mm-hmm. you know, is it something that you think that we could promote? Mm-hmm. You know, because we have to be comfortable promoting it. And, once you get past all that, and you know, and I, you know, I do lean towards my friends, you mm-hmm. know, some yep. of whom I've known more than others when they came into the network, but I saw what they did and I liked it. I was usually already a fan, but basically, you know, just see whether you can fit in with what we do. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to promote your fellow broadcasters? You know, that's, that I think that's one of our strengths is that we put up that card, you know, here's the, you know, here's what we do. And, you know, that we can talk about other shows, even if you just focus on somebody else in the network. Like if you, you know, you were to talk about, you know, hey, Keisha Acuff has her own broadcast too. Or, you know, I, I really like, you know, armchair rocket science or stupid o'clock or whatever, you know, feel comfortable doing that. And that, you know, we help each other grow together. And most of us have experienced some growth, like, in, you know, the only real way to measure it, though, in a lot of ways is like, say, if we're on YouTube. Mm-hmm. and the number of subscribers we get and we yeah. do have a couple people that are monetized on there so and oh and the dastardly dingoes i cannot forget the dastardly dingoes on tuesday nights that and it's another geek show although they generally have topics mm-hmm. and and they go into really deep de- you know drilling on it so yeah. you know, that's a great show i'm 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 really proud of all the shows that we have i feel mm-hmm. like i'm kind of like pulling up the back end of it to be honest <laughs> i just come on you know you know, like, like, you know, when I came, you know, here, I'm half hour early, you know, I'm ready. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dressed and ready to go. I come, you know, my show comes on at 10 o'clock. I, I sit down in the chair, maybe at 10, 959, if I've got every, well, I've got my coffee made by then. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, you know, I'm a little loose. I'm a little looser with my show than I am with everyone else's. I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. So, but no, no, it's, it's one of those things. And also I've had some people where I've had a, at least two people where I've seen what they do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you can't come into my network because you need to form your own. Mm. You're that far ahead. And, yeah. and we've had some people that I, that, you know, are away from our group and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do because mm-hmm. I think they've got the potential, but yeah, there's a couple of people that I said, man, you, you are already so far ahead of where we're at just by yourself. You need to consider getting your own tribe. And mm-hmm. they have done a marvelous job of it. I'm proud to say. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And how can, how can my listeners find you on social media? I'm everywhere. 
I am, you know, I'm I'm in your hopes, your dreams, your deepest fears. No, uh, basically go to risingtide.com. <laughs> that's <his> Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, AKA Twitter. <laughs> yeah, the, the B, I, I am B, I'm Brian K. Morris on Twitter. I'm BK, yep. I'm Brian K. Dot Morris on Instagram. I don't do a darn thing on those two because Twitter is frequently um, um, the thing that makes me wish for the meteor to strike Earth and yeah. that we join the dinosaurs. But no, I'm mostly at risingtide.pub where you can find everything I do. I have a heavy presence on Facebook. I'm the only one, of course, me and t- 2 billion other people. But mainly that's where you'll find uh, stuff about me. But if you want to keep up with me, generally risingtide.pub. Also, I have a Patreon account at uh, www.patreon.com forward slash Brian K. Morris. You notice the similarity in all my names. Otherwise, I wouldn't remember one of them. But <laughs> but generally that. And we also are on YouTube and we appear on other people's shows because we love hanging out with them, such as you, George. So, so yeah, yeah, basically rising pubs the place to start also we're on amazon and smash words with uh, some of our humble works and some less humble than others and we're mm-hmm. adding to the catalog all the time that's fabulous and just like brian said uh, earlier in this show there there's no fun in success if you're the only one that's 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 doing it so so by all means get yourself either part of a tribe make your own whatever you need to do because how whatever amount of fun you are having, creating, getting your your work out there, getting it getting it worked on and everything, just imagine how much more fun it's going to be when you and your work inspire others to want to do their work and then get their work out there and then all of a sudden start working with you to promote each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, just this wonderful community just grows and grows and grows. And next thing you know, you got a broadcast network, which is exactly what Brian's got. With the with the publishing house, with the comic, with the comics, with the writing, now with the broadcasting, the sky's the limit for Brian and all of Rising Tide, and I am so proud to be a part of that group. So that way we can see just how far all of us can go together. So for Brian K. Morris and the Rising Tide Broadcast Network, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.